Yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about uh, this Philippines mission. You guys went out there for two weeks? Uh, actually, no, about eight days. About eight days. Mm-hmm. So it was just eight days and yeah. you guys managed it. Yeah, yeah. And we saw that you guys visited a uh, prison and also an orphanage and partnered yeah, yeah. with the River of uh, Life Missions. mission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we were out there for, for eight days. Um, it was shorter one compared to the other missions, but yeah. it's, it's very more packed. So we worked all the way till. Uh, yeah, we probably finished about 10 when everything's done, 10, 11. Um, yeah, so uh, throughout the one week, we, we went to prisons. We went to uh, minister at the orphanage uh, and at the local churches. So we helped them with their reaching out. So our team members get to preach, uh, get to share their testimony, uh, get to lead people to Christ and pray for sick and all, and just see how God has been moving so powerfully out there. Uh, and and yeah, so <laughs> most of them are in tears now because God is just so good and and it's just it's just overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I know that's why I'm giving them a break before making them come up. <laughs> at first, the first the plan was I'll have them all come up first, but I think after that video, I'll just like, you just compose yourselves a little bit and then we'll have them come up. Um, now the team that went out, how many people were there all together? Uh, it's a big team. It's eighteen of us. Okay, yeah, eighteen, 18 of us um, uh, from UK. All, all, all around UK, so we have Manchester, Nottingham, Newcastle, and then there were some from Malaysia, four from Malaysia, and one from Australia. Okay, mm-hmm. right. And um, I mean, y- as as y- you've been on these trips before, but what's something that you felt really was special about about this time? Um, I think this this trip um, is just so much more intense in 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 God's presence, um, and I think the team was very bold as well. I think the spirit really went on them and they were so bold and just going for, you know, going for it and they're like praying for the sick and preaching the gospel. There was one point when the prison, which is supposed to be contained, almost became like a like a healing rally and everyone was shouting, be healed in Jesus' name. So it was like so intense this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and I see a lot of uh, changes in uh, the team member themselves. They just... Uh, as they minister, they encounter God for themselves. And I, I mean, you're going to hear from them later that how much the trip has impacted them this year. Yeah, yeah I mean, because the team wasn't made up of, um, like, pastors or... No, yeah. Like, it was just a it's normal... Yeah, yeah. Not, a pastor is a normal person, too. I just want to <laughs> highlight that yeah, for you yeah, guys. Like, yeah. maybe subnormal is often used. Yeah. Um, um, and for a lot of them, it was also their first time. Yeah, actually, a lot of them, in, first time as well. There. Yeah. And yeah, just, yeah. Do you feel like you saw, I mean, do you feel like you see God working differently when you're out there as opposed to here? Um, I was thinking about this because you're not going to ask this question. I feel like, I think out there, the people were, the people there were more open to be prayed for. They were more open to be, to listen. And uh, for the team, when we're out there, I think because they were more open, uh, we were more bold as well. Um, So, the challenge for them is to come back and be, continue to be as bold as they were out there. And, uh, and, and we know God is going to help them do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one of the big challenges. It's very much like Jesus, uh, the prophet in his own town is rejected. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, where wow. It's like the faith is a bit smaller <laughs> when you come back here and it can yeah. be a real challenge. Yeah. Um, and I know that's also difficult for the team coming back, trying to adjust back mm-hmm. from seeing what God's doing back into the normal kind of life here. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons we love hearing the BLI team share um, is because we really believe that it helps our eyes to be open to what God um, is doing around the world and wants to continue to do in people's lives here. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get that unfolded here. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we invite the team to come up? 
No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce your team members that are actually coming up, actually? Okay, uh, can we have the team that's uh, sharing come out? So, uh, Kui from uh, BCC. Uh, is Hui Hui from uh, MCCC, Manchester Chinese Church. Uh, where's my, where's the word? Jason. Jason Wan. <laughs> no, Jason Ho from uh, BCC. Um, Paige from uh, MCCC and uh, Siu Mei, uh, who's taking off the welcome team t-shirt to come out and share. So uh, I'll pass the time to you guys. So there's two mics for the five of you. Uh, you guys feel free to pass it along. Um, and uh, while that's going, I will occasionally flash up a picture of what's been going on. But what would be really great is if you can start, maybe start with Kui, and uh, she's got a mic there. Uh, do you want to, so it'd be great if you can just say who you are, and then what your current, like what you do now, and then you can say if this is your first time out there as well, and then just, just. And then we'll start with there. Just guys can and where you're from, like, not like where you're from, but where you're from in this country. Okay, let's start with you. Okay, um, my name is Kui. Um, I am a concept designer, so 3D concept designer. Um, I live in Leicester now, but I was born in Birmingham. Um, this was my uh, first missions trip. Um, yeah, I just. Morning, everyone. My name is Hui Wang Hui. I was born in mainland China, come to uh, England in 2006 to study my PhD and currently working for University of Manchester as uh, International Innovation Manager. And this is my first ever missionary trip in life and first ever time going to Philippines as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Paige. And um, I work at a Christian charity called the Message Trust. Um, and although I've been to a mission trip um, previously, but um, it was more of a social work kind of, um, of uh, outreach. So this is, yeah, my, sort of my first time as well. My name is Jason. I'm a, I work at a dentist here in the UK, uh, and I'm from Birmingham. Um, yeah. Uh, it's nice that you said you're from Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Sumi. I'm originally from Kuching, but now I live in Birmingham. Uh, I work as an accountant in city centre. And with, oh. yeah, is this your first time? No, out? it's not actually my first time. I've been with a church to the interiors in Sarawak more than ten years ago. Okay, cool. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I know that there's been lots of things kind of happened out there, kind of sort of stories, um, sort of experiences that you guys have um, kicked off with. And uh, this is your full team, isn't it? Um, if you're curious, Edwina and uh, Yang Wang were also there, but they gave the stage to these guys. Um, and this was out, where was this actually? This is a prayer mountain. So it's very near well, not very. It's not too far from the orphanage that we stayed in San Isidro. It's a place where the team goes up to pray, to retreat, to have their own quiet time with God. So it's on top of a hill. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the orphanage and some of the stuff that God um, showed you guys while you're out there um, or challenged you with? The orphanage is in a place called San Isidro. They've got a number of children there and 
the children there, some of them have families, some of them do not have families. And I don't, I don't know the exact number, but basically when they go there, it's, uh, they're taken care by Pastor Feli and the team. I remember this year there were five uh, sisters who were sent there because they were from the same mother, but five different fathers, and I think they were abused, so that's why they were sent there. So they are, th- these are children who live there from this family background or circumstances. Right. Because we are serving on the children's service. Okay. So I talked with Pastor Philly about some facts and figures, if you are interested. Okay. So for the last 15 years, the orphanage has taken 45 children and youth living in the orphanage. And they do have lots of kids who don't have parents, either because you know parents died or parents went away and never come back. But they also have quite lots of kids come to the orphanage because the whole region is under poverty. The family, the parents literally couldn't afford to raise them up. And one of the kids, his name is Isaac. He's nearly 16 years old when, when Pastor Philly found him. His parents wanted him to drop the school and just go to Manila to work. And Pastor Philly found him to say, you know, if you want to stay with us, we can keep supporting you to study. Do you want to do that? And he chose to come to the orphanage. And that's the reason why there are lots of kids, when they grew up, they went back to their family. And so they can still supporting their family. Right. Thank so that's, you. That's really interesting. Um, do you guys feel like uh, so? For some of you guys, this is your first time out there. Um, how how was it for you guys to feel when you went out there, both emotionally or spiritually? What like how did you guys engage, or what were your thoughts when you first arrived, or when you saw them and tried to meet with them? And did you guys know like, oh, now that I'm here, I'm gonna pray for them, and the kids are gonna grow tall, or I don't know, something, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I always share to t- this to the people that, um, yeah, ask me about this. Um, I think before we went, um, well, I think the team and I um, had the expectation to, you know, to shower, you know, these people with love and um, yeah, to show kindness um, to them because, you know, it's at an orphanage. Mm-hmm. We expect, you know, broken people that have broken stories, that have come from broken families. But actually, when we arrived, it was the complete opposite. Um, we, they were just so filled with joy and, and love that we just felt showered, um, just so overwhelmed by their love. And by the way, um, they served us, you know, even from the smallest details. Because we said, yeah, at the orphanage. Um, so they, they cooked for us. They cooked three times a day um, for us so we can eat. And they washed our clothes. And... Even just the little things, like when it rains and um, we've left our shoes outside, um, and we'd be like, oh, we forgot our shoes. Um, Yeah, we need to take them in. But then we would have a look, and they're already lined up, like, prettily inside. Um, And they won't go to sleep unless we all go to sleep, because not all the... um, The the bathrooms have uh, running water, so they manually pump... Um, the water for us and there's like how many of us are 18 um, so they make sure that we all have enough water um, to, to shower with and you would never ever see them complain um, and they would always do it with so much joy um, so yeah when yeah when we went um, yeah I, well I didn't expect it any because I've not met them before yeah. um, I was like I feel like I, I don't need to show yeah, them anything. Like what, they, can I, what can I, what can I offer? Them, since yeah. they're always so, so yeah. good to you. Jason, you want to... Um, it wasn't my first time going, but it was for my mum. 
Uh, and I had the pleasure of uh, kind of editing and reading the blogs yesterday, mm -hmm. which uh, the blogs are basically testimony from different people. And my mom unfortunately couldn't be here. But she did write that actually as she approached the orphanage and she went into, the, into San Isidro, um, that she peeked around the corner and she felt nothing but love for the kids who were waiting there in the dark and just waiting. Maybe it's because she's waiting for some other small kids and she's not had any small other kids around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but actually, I think that was a really precious thing for me to read because it, it's something that I, I, I... Well, I can't understand now because I'm not a father or a mother. But actually, something that my mother could, sh could feel from experiences before, but also something that she could show towards some of these kids, which actually someone who's never a mother or father could ever do. Mm. But something that my mother was perfectly positioned for was to you know, demonstrate motherly love mm. to, the, to some of the kids who are there. I, I mean, I think that's... So I, I, sometimes we think, oh, the missions trips are for like you young people to go. You know, like we always try to make excuses that, or we find it too difficult to say, oh, well, I'm too old or I'm not, I can't make my schedule work. But actually, for all of it, it sounds like that there are, there are things in, in your life that you've experienced that actually you can provide and, and bring to different people in different ways. Um, Kui, you were also at the, I mean, you, you stay there. Is there anything you'd like to share without crying? Yes. <laughs> I actually, like, when I was editing the video, like, I, you know, I was, like, very um, focused. And it was like the first time I actually kind of sat back and, and took it all in. So my own video made me cry. So it was <laughs> good start, good start. Um, I think going into it, I, you know, the, the preparation beforehand, um, we were asked to kind of have low expectations of the standard of living that they have there, but a high expectation of what um, God will do. But until we went there i understood like it is um above what i would have expected um the i guess the main thing for me was i was saying to my brother this morning is the overflow mm. of god's love god's power um that we saw in the in the missions trip um not just the healing but the joy the love um the fact that They've, these kids, they've been abandoned from such a young age. Um, when we're praying over them and we're asking for prayer, like what they would want. Um, one of the youths was like, um, she felt like no one, no one was there, you know? How, how, how does someone feel when they're abandoned? How, how do they feel? Like we, we're blessed enough to have, you know, a parent or both parents um, that care and nurture us, but what do you do when um, you've been left? And, you know, it's not just abandonment, it's neglect, it's abuse, it's um, rape, it's, it's all these things. But when we see them, they just look like normal kids. You don't think that, you don't feel sorry for them or anything because they have so much joy. They have joy in the Lord, and all their prayer requests have been, literally, just one request um, was, they just want to know God more. They just, um, they don't want to be far away from God, uh, and that's it. That's their greatest fear. Even on day one, when um, we're just having this um, icebreaker, um, one of the icebreaker questions was, um, 
what's your biggest phobia? And my biggest phobia is probably, I don't know, I have, I have many. So, like, probably the dark, thunder, just heights, yeah, everything. But then the answer was being away from God. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like, your fear is to be away from the Lord. And how scary it is to actually be away from the Lord when you're not in God's presence. It, it is scary. Like, you don't have that, that rock, that hope, that reassurance in your life so that you know I, I afterwards I, I got it because I, I could feel that I didn't want to be away from God the way the, the way that I didn't want to live my life the same way I did when I I left and just seeing their love seeing how they serve how they don't complain how loving they are towards us like they've blessed us more than we could could even imagine and even on the last day when we were giving the gifts, the donations, everything, it still felt like it was not enough. Mm. For, for God's, hand, God's hand is on them. And just seeing that overflow through their lives, um, it, it was just, it, it's hard for me to explain because, um, you know, since I've been back, everyone's asked me, oh, how's, how's missions been? How's missions? And um, I just cannot describe it. Um, God's, yeah, it's really, God's love. Yeah. It's really challenging because I think for us a lot of times our, our perspective of missions is that we're going to go out there, we're going to help them. And there is a big part of that, um, and it's in ways that we're not sure of. But uh, for the teams that come back, actually the hardest thing is they've received so much from it. There's a mixture of it's not really fair that we have to receive all this, and at the same time the frustration of, but we know we can see this happen here, but we don't know how to, to make that. That same kind of hunger um, or that same kind of life. And part of this is having them share, and you hear about um, people gone through trauma. It's not that, it's, it's that that trauma is horrible. Um, but through their experience, actually, it lets us say, actually, we really, we really undervalue God significantly. Uh, we rely very much heavily on, on what, we, what we have or what we see or what we know. Um, yeah, and so when we're hearing the sharing, it's a mixture of really what they're processing and what they're bringing back um, to share with us, um, not always just about what they were able to bring out there. And that's what we kind of want to have to encourage us to see. When we talk about the power of prayer, the power of proclaiming Jesus, we're really saying God is powerful, man. Like, and we want to see that same kind of um, breakthrough in your life. Um, yeah, I'm going to click. Did you want to say something, Jason? I can't tell. You look like... You're there, just listening. Um, so is this again, uh, so this is, I, I suppose, still the orphanage, right? Um, oh, is this what's happening here? Is this part of your daily ritual? Um, but it does sound like there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of uh, kids kind of running out there. Um, practically, you guys were out there, and a lot of it was just playing w- with the kids and spending time with them. Is there anything else practically that you guys d- did out there where you're with them or with the, the organizers? So are you asking questions specific about children's? Yeah, during the, during the time of the orphanage. Uh, so that's a really good question because that's a question I ask myself before <laughs> the trip as well. Right. What can I really do? As you can see, none of us are parents, so we don't really know what to do with kids. So before we go there, we were thinking we, we, we help them worshipping, you know, spend time with them, playing with them. Uh, but when we really arrived, uh, I realized um, the situation is very different with what we expected. The kids are very content. All of them are live testimony of showing 
All they need, all we need is God. They had nothing before. They don't have parents like we have here. They don't have a social network to support them. But only thing they have is God. And God is all they have. And now they have everything. They have enough food, clothes. They have the content of peace, more than the billionaires I ever met. And what's more is God has been raising them, God himself. They grew up so well, so good. For before they were orphanage, now they are God's people. They are adults. They are not. We have so for the picture you saw, they have young kids, two years old, four years old. They also have youth, and they also have people graduates ready to have a job. So another also rather than giving them donations, you know, gifts, we also help them to get ready for the career change because God is going to give them industry and business, and these people will be will be the people running God's business in that region. So we operated a B- MBA rush course to help them to say how to run business. We also help them, uh, give them some financial seeds to establish business, business for them. And I know we have a farming um, uh, missionary and basketball missionary as well. So maybe, do you want to Yeah, talk we can about hear a little farming? bit more about that. I want to just touch yeah. on that. All right, so... What you're saying is, and let me understand, this is for kids and parents alike, okay? So for the kids, we normally think if we have more stuff or if we have more things or if we have a, a red piano up here, somehow things are going to be better. But, but actually what you're saying is, like, these kids, through so much, they really demonstrate that actually our eyes are totally on the wrong thing, and it doesn't kind of bring the kind of joy. The second thing is, these people have no parents, and yet God raised them really well. Now, I know the parents, the first thing that you will want to say is, see, that's why you have to go to church, kids. I'm pretty sure that's not what God is saying. I'm pretty sure what God is saying is that actually as, as parents, you know, actually your reliance on God, your, your holding on to God, is what teaches you how to parent your children better. And it's that kind of shifting mentality where it's really saying each of us, wherever we are, whatever age or stage we're at, we really have to be clinging on to God. Because he is really all that we need. I love the fact that in this process that you guys have been making trips out here, but now there's this chance then to invest in them in a kind of different way. And so I know you guys went out there and you had the chance. I saw some farming pictures, but you guys also did them. You're trying to essentially becoming a little bit like a VC and uh, inject a little bit of seed funding into, uh, into it. And I, saw, I, there's, I think there's a picture later on. Um, we, well, we'll get to it when we get to that picture later on, unless this is you doing interviews for insurance or banking. Because <laughs> that's exactly what that looks like here. Well, do you have three forms of identification? Um, <laughs> uh, right. Um, we'll come back to that, the seed funding. I know there's a picture at the end, which uh, I think uh, is pretty cool. Um, what's happened? And so this is a medical. You guys also did medical clinics out there, I'm guessing. This is what this is? Yeah, so this is one of the medical. Well, this is a dental. photos are dental, medical and that's actually Yang uh, Pharmacy giving out some medicine. I just want to know, so how is this medically, <clears throat> like what's going on here? Can anyone guess what that is? Yeah, I know what it is. You know it's, what one it is. Of the, it's, a, it's an examination glove that's blown up like a cow's udder. And then made to look like a chicken. So then uh, it was supposed to make that kid, kid happy. Kid, stop crying. But if you can have but a look you can closely. see he's... he's Cringing and running further, (laughs) further away. (laughs) So you know, missions work is not all success after success after success. Okay. And if you lose one kid, you tend to lose the next five in line. So (laughs) they they don't come to see you. They all run away at this point. Um, Right. So you guys did again those clinics out there, um, and you guys have been doing this for a while. And um, you've shared before. It's a mixture of uh, 
frustration between, okay, we can give some stuff or here's some paracetamol for them to help. And then there's a lot of kind of prayer going on as well. And in Philippines, there's more opportunity for that kind of prayer. Absolutely. Um, do you want to share any of the stories about what, what happened around that and the kind of situation? Let's choose some. <laughs> this is where I'd love Edwina to share because she's the medic with some of the doctor things. I think there was a there was Edwina. You don't want to share? Edwina, we're I'll calling your you. name because I think it'll become truer from the mouth of the person who can see the the, the medical aspect. The of medical it. aspect. Of things. Oh, you mean like when doctors get together and start talking in a language no one can understand? Yeah. That's so the coolest and you're like, bit. Oh, you have the gift of tongues, but it's actually just medicine. All right, go on. Um, so I think this time around, going out as well, some, I think the one thing which I know definitely Josh and I felt was um, the frustration sort of with the limitations of what we can do. So I guess one example was, um, I think in the video earlier as well, you saw this woman who was raising her hand. So her daughter was actually one of our translators, Margie. And so when we did the clinic in San Isidro in the orphanage home, she then, she kind of like very shyly and sheepishly said, um, would you mind seeing my mum as well? Um, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, why not? And she then, she then said that, you know, her mum was just involved in an accident two days ago. Um, and I think her parents weren't working, so Margie had to be the one who had kind of had to support them. And she, could bring, she brought the mum to see the doctor with whatever amount of money she had. And the only thing that the doctor told her was, oh, she's got a fractured clavicle and her mum actually couldn't lift her hand. You could see she was kind of like slouching onto the side that she was injured on. And they just say, there isn't anything that we could do for you. Um, so, you know, when the mum came, I kind of felt frustrated as well because I was like, you know, aside from giving painkillers, yes, I know that, you know, it, it, it can take, it takes time to heal. Um, as a medic, we know, you know, with where the fracture is just on the clavicle bone here, it does take a long time to heal. But it, it went to a point where the mum was looking after, she had five other kids, but she couldn't even do any household chores. And, you know, Margie, there were sessions where she said she couldn't come to to help us because she had to go home and help her mum. And she even had to help her mum with like showering as well because her mum couldn't do that. And I think that kind of just hit me. And I think all I felt I could actually do um, was I told her, I say, you know, in all honesty, as a doctor, there isn't um, much that actually I can offer you. I say, but if you actually believe that God is the greatest physician and the greatest healer, can we actually pray for you? And I think with that then, you know, we got a whole team of people and we actually prayed for her um, I led the prayer initially and, you know, just putting my hands on her shoulder. I personally, I know I'm not making it up as well, <laughs> but I definitely felt like, you know, it just started loosening and, you know, she actually sort of, it felt like, it felt like things were clicking into place. It is something which I feel medicine would never explain it, nor can I explain to any other medics how this happened. Um, but, you know, with that, when she initially couldn't lift her hand, you saw how high she actually lifted her hand up. Um, and I think, with that as well, we realized that it wasn't just about us ministering to her mum, but it was also to Margie herself, um, and also then her dad also came as well. Um, so it was ministering to the whole family. Yeah, I, uh, okay. I mean, you're, you're a doctor, and you, I, you're also a Christian, so you believe in miracles. And obviously when you come back here, you can't just pray for your patients in the same kind of way. But how do you get the faith to pray? For this, when you know medically what really needs to happen, which is probably get a cast and have someone held in place for you know 
a few weeks, a couple months, right? I'm not a doctor. It's like, how do you, I mean, where, like, where do you get the faith to pray from? Or is it a lot of, like, you just call in other people to pray? You said you led the prayer, but, like, how do you believe that? I mean, you're... I personally found that it probably was a journey I went through as well. So, um, so for those who don't know, I actually went out to Nepal last year as well. And I have to say, when I was in the Nepal, I told the team directly and I said, you know, I was very honest with them and said, you know what, if anything, I know I'm just like doubting Thomas because, you know, having known that Jesus died on the cross for us and he can heal, I say, as a doctor, that is just very hard to just believe. That is very hard to say, um, you know, God, actually, you're the healer. And, you know, there were times when I would be asked to pray and I would be very hesitant out there then mm. um, to pray because I'm like, all this person needs is just some painkillers. And then I was like, I'll gladly give them painkillers and send them along the <laughs> way. But for me, yes, God started changing my heart when I was out there. But I think it was more of coming back as well when there were times where even when I felt that medicine couldn't do things for the people that I was seeing. And I couldn't pray openly for them, but I would actually pray for them and I would actually get people to pray together with me for them. And then seeing sort of miracles happen. So actually, I would say, you know, miracles actually can happen here as well. And I think that was the changing point for me. So it wasn't just out in Nepal. God actually continued um, showing that he was actually not just a God of Nepal or Philippines, but he was even a God of the UK as well. Um, and I think that was, that was probably my turning point, actually, coming back. And I think this time going out as well, I felt then I was even more bolder to say, you know, I can't actually, I can't offer you things. I can't offer you sort of what technology can offer you out in a developed country. But the one thing I know we probably all have together is a God that actually can heal. And if we say he's the greatest healer of all, that is probably the one thing that we can share with you. Yeah, that's really, I mean, it's really encouraging. Any, did you want to add something, um, Paige? Just to add on what Edwin already said, um, that's something that I've always asked myself, like, I, I wonder how Edwina, Jason, Josh, and, and Francis, like how can they just shift from a medical perspective and shift it to a sp spiritual one? Because even I found it um, difficult myself um, at the beginning. So, so I get, we've seen a lot of you know, healings and miracles um, in the Philippines, but I think for me, um, I had to go through a journey as well. I think for the first few days, um, I was just, overwhelmed i'm like god what is this what is what is happening you know like all of a sudden you know there um i don't know if you remember but last year the team went to see a blind man um and they prayed for him and he received healing and he was able to see again and then when we came back he actually lost a bit like, like most of his sight again and then and so we so we invited him to and he said that he also stopped going to church. So I don't know if there's a correlation there. Um, but, um, and so we invited him to come to the clinic. And so he came, and then we started praying for him again. And I was like, in my mind, um, God, how can we, you know, pray for healing for a blind man, like, to be able to see twice? <laughs> like, I mean, it was already incredible. Like, the first time, how can we do it, like, twice again? But um, again, like, throughout this whole trip, it... God really, you know, showed us so um, graciously and so patiently that it really wasn't about us. Um, it wasn't about our ability, but it was about our availability. You know, just being able to say, yes, God, 
Okay, we'll, we'll go for it. We, we feel the prompting and have, we know that you want us to pray for this person, even though it, it looks impossible, but just being able to say yes. And I think that was something that really spoke to me as well, because I think for the first few days, I was still holding on to my natural mind, to my logical mind. And until, you know, the, the night before our final day, I was like, God, I give up. I don't understand. I don't think I'll be able to understand everything that you're doing. And actually, it's, it's actually quite offensive for me to say that I could understand God in my miniature, you know, like human little brain. Mm. So I was like, okay, God, I'll just, I'll just leave it up to you. I'll just follow. I don't have to understand everything because I like to analyze things. Um, and so the next day, we went to Santa Monica. And, um, yeah, we set up our clinics again. And then there was this one woman that came in. And just like many of the patients, they all have the same sort of sad, um, you know, like almost dead look in their eye, like defeated, like look. Um, and um, she was limping with her wooden stick. And she said that she wasn't, she hasn't been able to walk. I don't know for, if it's like for a few the months. Girl who had a stroke, the woman who had a stroke. Yeah, she yeah. had a stroke. So she, um, she wasn't able to walk for, for, for years, I think. Um, and at this point, I was... I had this um, just burning like desire to pray for this woman, which I never really had before because I try to, to avoid like leading the, the prayer like as much as I can. That's just me being honest um, because it was so new to me. Everything was so new to me. But um, at that moment, I really, you know, the moment I just said, like I just surrendered everything to God. And yeah, I immediately felt that prompting. And I said, okay, God, I'll go, I'll pray for this woman, even though, again, like she, was, she wasn't able to walk, and we want to pray for healing. And so we gathered around her, and, um, and no one started praying. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is like a reaffirmation, like, okay, God, I, okay, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start the prayer. Um, and just so you know, I'm Filipino, I was born in the Philippines, um, and then I moved to UK when I was 14 years old, so I can actually um, speak the language fluently. But I think I've overestimated myself when I came, though, because praying and um, sharing in Tagalog was completely different. Like, there were some words that were just impossible to translate in Tagalog, and my Tagalog skills or knowledge stopped at 14. So when I shared, I, I sounded like a kid. Um, but it, it didn't really matter. And so I prayed in, my, in this, you know, really basic Tagalog, and then... And then, um, you know, Jason Ho from, from the dental station, um, he was just, like on the other side of the room. And then all of a sudden, like he started walking towards us. And then, and then I felt like his hand like, um, like just laid on me and like, he started um, praying. Um, and at this point, I didn't know what it was. Um, but I, just, I just heard him like praying at, at the back as I was praying. And then all of a sudden, um, um, I was just uh, speaking the most fluent Tagalog that I could ever speak. Like, just really deep words. You know, like, maybe in Cantonese or Mandarin, like, things that you would never, ever, ever, like, would have heard of, would ever speak, just came out of my mouth. Just, like, so fluently and so effortlessly. And I'm like, as I was saying it, oh, like, I don't know what is happening, but this is not me. I know it was the Holy Spirit. And, um, and then, after the prayer, um, we encouraged the woman to get up and to, yeah, just to try and how she felt. And Edwina, um, yeah, she, um, asked if she was able to walk. And, and she was, and wow. she was able to walk. And she probably walked about 10 minutes. 
Like it was so long. And she even danced. Like even after like walking for 10 minutes, I was actually starting to worry. I think like we should probably like make her rest a little bit. Um, but now she was just walking and even dancing for another five minutes. And I was, I was so overwhelmed that I actually like had to walk out of the room because I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you that even in my disbelief, um, even in my inadequacy, you made me adequate, not because from, from, from myself, but because you really want to show who you are um, with these people, the people in, 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 um, in Santa Monica, in the Philippines, to show who you are and to show how much you love them. I mean, it's amazing because um, I, mean, I love the fact that you guys gather around and no one started praying because I feel like that's what happens every time we gather around someone to pray and then we wait for someone to start them and we just go in a circle, right? Um, but Because sometimes when we hear these stories from outside, we just imagine, oh, they're all there, they're all on fire and the God's just doing bam, bam, bam because that's what it sounds like because that's what's kind of happening. But at the same time, you're out there and I, what I love about this is that you, you don't have great faith, but you were obedient. And he was like, well, I guess I got to go. I guess that's, that's all, and I will go over there. And even when it was silent, then you would be like, well, I guess I should start praying then. And I can imagine even then, like, you're, like, praying, okay, well, God, heal. I'm like, we're not, like, pros at this. I, I am curious, Jason, why did you go over? Did you just, like, what, what made you leave the place that you were assigned? Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel most comfortable, uh, and actually... Yeah, I guess I feel most comfortable actually out there sometimes doing the dentistry because... Um, no legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it works. And yeah. it's what I do all the time. Um, I think this trip was a little bit different from, for me uh, as well because uh, uh, even before the trip and during the trip, you talk about obedience and just, and just listening to God. And I think that's what... Uh, as a team, we really were doing. We were praying and we were seeking him. And, you know, there's all these times whenever there's, like, extreme elation and, you know, uh, shouts of joy. Mm. But actually, there's also those moments every morning when we're just in the quiet and the stillness of God. And I think that was carried throughout the trip. And I knew that as a dentist, actually, I was doing dentistry. But uh, something different for me was, like, an unpeeling of an, I don't know, an onion and making myself more available to just... Uh, listen to listen to God, and uh, I felt at that moment God say, "Hey, you know, almost say, go leave your dentistry and go and go and walk across the room." And whenever I saw Paige praying um, before, he'd given me a picture of something, uh, and uh, so that's why I kind of just prayed for her and uh, just you know just. That's, I mean, yeah. it's amazing because you hear about. I mean. We, we know that actually in the, in the book of Acts that time when you were praying and everyone's praying in different languages that's what happened yeah. but I love the fact that actually when you're out there and you're more focused on God you are actually listening better yeah. um, because you don't know what else to do and even while you're assigned in the area you can still be listening to God and I guess the other part is the faith to act on that because that is your mission out there and it's a challenge for us here because we know that maybe God is speaking to us but we don't know what that looks like in our everyday context in the external context when you know your whole job is to listen to God that's different I think for us here we're starting to learn that actually maybe listening to God is our actual full-time job and where we are is it but trying to figure out how that unfolds is important yeah even when you're doing extraction or even if you're being extracted on no, I don't know. I don't know about that. You've got diseases. Yeah. Um, uh, 
show a couple pictures. Um, this is the this is the prison, um, and I, in the in the video, I, I think that that prayer in in Tagalog, which was, I just struck me so much, where the the prisoner was like, "God, thank you for letting us be in prison, because that's where we could be truly free." I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so so intensely right, loving of God, loving God uh, that they understand so much." Um, I and, have something uh, to say about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, um, they actually have their own worship band on the in the inside of this, like I guess, wall, these walls, and the the drums are made from like old tins. It's absolutely mind blowing. Like, and they just like um, they compose their own music as well. They write their own songs. Um, and they actually got the guitar from uh, Pastor Feli. So they asked. Um, Oh, Pastor, like, we want to worship, but we don't have a guitar. Can you bring us a guitar? Mm. So, um, yeah, they got a guitar. They got their own mini drum kit. It's uh, just am- amazing, like, the... I guess they will always find a way to, to worship God. They will always go that extra mile, even with the youth. Like, they will worship... Like, when we were doing the boat trips, um, they would, like, be playing the boat. Like, I don't know if you guys seen anyone play the boat but it's it's pretty cool, um, and also like uh, using a empty coke bottle as a drum, mm. it works really well. So if you guys uh, don't have any equipment, then use one of those. Um, but it's just amazing their heart for God. Um, it honestly felt like um, like a touch of heaven, mm. seeing them like because these are these are prisoners who. They don't. Some of them, they're still waiting for sentence. So one, I think, one of the prisoners uh, that we went to see, they were waiting like four years to be sentenced. So they're still waiting for that. Some of them are in um, life imprisonment. So they'll they'll be there for the rest of their lives. So to have that heart to to be set free, knowing that they are going to be in the same place, um, is is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You see the, um, I mean, the two examples that we saw, you see the children with, who lost everything full of joy, and then you saw some of these prisoners who have also, who, who may know their guilt, but have this amazing healing from God still, that they're not complaining that they're in prison, but rather they're rejoicing because that, in that place, you know, they've been found by Christ. Um, yeah. You, like in, yeah. In one of the songs that they composed, it said on the lyrics that, um, um, despite the confines of jail, um, that they have so much freedom because they have Christ in them. Yeah. So so beautiful. I noticed you opened your Bible to demonstrate your holiness as your yeah. as a team leader. <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't just do today. that for show, but you, yeah, there's indeed. a scripture you want to share with us. Um, I think uh, when we were there, it was so. <laughs> um, Paige was there, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, you need to be. You know, can you?" He- can you understand what they're saying? And I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> and she's, she's like, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so, so amazing. And I was like, oh. I mean, like, so I was like, we need to record this. And then actually later on, and praise God that we've got a translator and someone who comes and speaks the language who is with us. Um, but I love, you know, it was the first time that I'd actually, I've seen that with subtitles because before it was just nothing to me. But actually at the time you knew that there was something really special and what yeah. this guy was saying and crying out. Um, and man, this is a prisoner who I'm thinking, you know, in prisons you can say the wrong thing and you get absolutely ripped by everyone else. But yeah. you know, he just really doesn't mind. Um, but it just brought me back to Romans six, where it was about slaves to righteousness. And if I read it to you, I'd love how 
It's just the cry of his heart and just shows that the word becoming real life to him, uh, which is... Here we go. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that it has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I love that how he just, you know, once where, yeah, truly, you know, if anyone can understand, he knew what it meant to be slave to sin. But actually, he now knew what it was to be raised beyond that, above that, and to find that true freedom, even if it is within the confines of jail. And that was the same jail that, you know, one of our previous uh, dentists said, you know, that's that's a, that's not a jail. It's just a, a church you can't escape from it. And uh, <laughs> uh, my dream place. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I, again, it's 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 so encouraging to just try to see because um, even though we hear some of these stories, every everyone in these places they have their own story and their own background. And what you're seeing is actually Jesus's very personal relationship with each of them, and that story as well. Each one has a separate testimony, and in that declaration. Um, Wait, wait, did you want to buzz in? Uh, there's something I really want to share today because I see lots of parents here. I just want to say uh, you probably don't know how much you are blessed because God promised you he will bless you generation generations. The reason why I want to share this one is because when I was in that prison, I was together with Auntie Mayin at the registration. There's another lady who is also a prisoner was helping us, you know, translating and organizing the prison come in. It's so interesting and Ming and that lady are almost same age range, and they have sons as well. And that woman's son is also in prison. So we, I talked with her. I will share with you her story first. So she, is, she was very rich before. She even came to Europe you know, for tourists and stayed here for many years. And she went back to Philippines, and then she, she was caught by drug. So because she used drug, she started selling drugs as well. And that's the reason why her son was caught by selling drugs as well. So I was, I was standing, sitting on the desk, looking two women in front of me. Both are very proud for their sons. And I was looking at one is Auntie Mayin, you know, following God, raising her family in God's house. And her son is a dentist, going to get married with another doctor very soon, <laughs> being, being so blessed. This is a live testimony, being so blessed. On the other side, the woman fall from God, going to the scene of gambling, drug, got into prison, and her son was following her as well in the prison. And another kid was only 17 years old, killed someone by accident, probably going to live in the prison for the whole life. And I was sitting there thinking, God, in future, if you give me a chance to become a mom, I will make sure I follow with you. So at least my kids might not have a chance going to prison. But at the same time, we can see how, how great God love is. Even she was lost. She got into prison. God didn't let her go. God sent us to the prison to share the good news with her. She can still be saved. There's still a chance, even she made a mistake. Even her family made a mistake. So that's why I want to say God loves all of us so much. So if you're parents, you know, God has promised to you. He will bless your generation generations. Thank it's, you. Yeah, totally true. It's, it's um, Parents, it's not how you force your kids to go to church, but rather it's your own relationship with God that, that your kids will be looking at, and that's what they hold to. And if you, value, if you value God, they will see that, but if you value um, anything else, they'll also see that, and they'll find that that's what they also think is most important. Um, we are running shorter on time. Um, here's some more pictures of you doing 
you know, praying and amazing things. Um, this is, and I, I did want to, I, there's, I know there's two things that you want to make sure we talk about is one is this, um, your crash course MBA that you guys, uh, decided to start up, um, which I'm sure there's lots of people here who would like a one-day MBA, um, non-accredited. <laughs> um, do you guys want to talk about what's, what, what this is about? And these guys who put it together, we had Hui Hui who, what's your qualifications? Hui Hui, are you, it's too many for me to know. Uh, um, I'm a PhD in three areas, and also I work for uh, international innovation. So I'm currently doing MBA course, part, MBA, part global MBA course. Early this year, I've... God blessed me to go to Harvard Business School for executive training course on how to operate business in global regions. And then you were partnered with uh, David, who... Uh, uh, this guy. He, yeah, he has his own insurance company, and he's currently operating the business and has made the business growing for over 20 times in the last three years. Okay. Yeah. So you guys had this idea then to actually try to help them start thinking about how do you actually develop and uh, move into the next stage of development. So instead of just uh, survive, do you want to talk about this? Because I actually, I actually don't know. Should I, only should I talk a little bit about All it? Right, and then you, you can talk about the session that was Why don't you guys do that? Yeah, then. indeed. Uh, because uh, over in San Isidro, obviously, there's so much blessing. There's so much goodness that's coming out of there. Um, up and down the river, you know, there's been this, this, uh, this vision, this mission that actually they want all to come to Christ. Um, there's Pastor Ofeli, who's now 70, who's the, you know, the one who started this. And below that, there's now these teenagers, 20 years, you know, between the age of like 18 to 28, who are now coming. And there is still the very, they, they've set their sights on the things above. That's, there's no doubt about it. You know, they're, even on the last day when we were just about to, when we were still sleeping before we were catching uh, the boat back, um, I think... We, we woke up and we saw that some of them were even going out so early because they actually go out to the different churches. The work still continues even when we're not there, all right? They go to college throughout the, the week. They come back. Actually, they take time off different days from college to go out and continue to, you know, support the prison ministries, to go and support uh, the other churches and to plant churches. So they're the ones who have really found, you know, we talk about how do you mix um, you know, as a doctor and dentist and then across with God's work. They're the ones who are actually completely, you know, Doing fluid yeah, right. with everything. Um, but we recognize that these 20-year-olds, there are, they, there are some, still the same questions of what happens whenever, you know, whenever I want to have a family or what happens in the future whenever I have to uh, think about building a house or, or getting a house. How do, I, how, do I, how do I do that? You know, there's always this draw to go elsewhere to... Manila to the bigger cities to be able to earn the money to, mm. to develop themselves and build themselves. But then at the same time, they, they lose so much from actually the ministries that's being done. And so that's why uh, they were like, hey, can you, is there anything that, you know, we can partner or support each other in regarding this? And, you know, we don't want to just give them fish. We want to, you know, give them the way to, to earn as such. So that's why we were you know, it was so, such a blessing. Actually, this was like a, a decision almost last minute on the second last day. And we asked Hui Hui and David, hey, do you mind doing this? Because you guys are perfect with your expertise for this. Something that I can definitely not give. Uh, and in addition to Sime, uh, who can give that financial of how to do the accounts, the three of them did it together in this morning session. And actually, I'll, I'll let Hui Hui tell you about it. But it was, it was amazing. Okay. So, um, so um, from my personal experience, it's... Um, it's not 
my idea. I don't think it's the team's idea. I will say it's definitely God's idea, God's calling. So before um, I joined BII, the first calling I received God is also first calling ever in my whole life was go to love orphans. So that's the reason why I never prepared anything for business. I thought my mindset is on kids. And when I went there, uh, on Wednesday, God gave me a vision. And the uh, next day, I asked God, is it one or many? And God answered back, focus on one or the other will follow. So I, it, I translated, I interpreted as God wants to give them business. Because literally when I was asking God, what does this mean? And you know, how are they going to do business? And God's answer is, I have been dropping manas to this land for my kids. I will keep dropping manas. They are good kids. I will lead them into the land of milk and honey. I will give them resources to establish business running across the world. And so that's what I heard in the morning. So in the whole Thursday, I was searching. I was doing marketing research with people I can do. What's the cost of coconuts? How, what's the most valuable things? I was trying my best to, from business people's eyes to say what kind of business it is for them. So on the evening, I was praying to God to say, God, this land is really rich beneath their imagination. But, you know, from the business idea to grow something into running global business, it's too big. I couldn't find out which business you are talking about. And God answered back to say, it's not about business. The people need to be ready first. They need to be ready for the coming change to transfer their mindset of being a farmer, being a teacher into a business leader so they can run my business in future. So that's the moment I know God's talking about. They need to pray, we need to give them training. And that gave me the clink immediately. This is linked to the you know, MBA course God want me to take early this year. And I have the knowledge to help them, to teach them, to have idea what kind of business he can run. So the first thing I shared is, I shared this vision with uh, Ansuk, uh, the BI team leader first, and then I went to Pastor Philly next day and she confirmed uh, before someone shared the same vision with her, so she doesn't know what to do with about it because she, she doesn't know what business is. So that's the reason why um, when, the two, when the BI team leader talked with pastors in that place and they realized maybe that's something we can start, that's how we are motivated to run a business training course with them on the last minute, the last day. And that's how BI decided to not only giving them the food, you know, the pharma equipment, leave them some business funding, like seeds, financial seeds, so they can start practice and run business. So in future, you know, they, they don't need to depend on God's donations. They can have sustainable income. So the kids they grow up, God's bring up, can become the adults taking care more of God's kids and taking that region out of poverty. So that's yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is amazing stuff. So a lot of the research comes out that one of the reasons other more wealthy people have the freedom to do this is because they can get seed funding a little bit earlier. And there's a real um, economic uh, deprivation that happens before that. So for And the way they've done it is wisdom. They didn't just give them a ton of money, right? But it's kind of both with the training and a little bit of money to see, well, how does this kind of explore? But I think the other part is that developing that partnership. Uh, this is pretty new stuff because what you're trying to do is trying to encourage local economy to be part of the global market because in larger areas like the Philippines uh, where you have more magnet cities, it means that there's uh, greater economic deprivation in some of the smaller areas. So it's really encouraging to see uh, how God put this in their hearts because up until now it's just been orphanage, prison, and dentists and nurses, right? Um, but God is saying, no, actually his heart is for um, – it's 
for the people, actually, right? There's just so much love kind of there. Um, there's, there's so much. There's like an endless amount of stuff there. There's a lot of good stuff that came out there in terms of how God used the spiritual gifts in different ways. Um, there's, I feel like there's an, an – I'm going to let Jason say two more things, and then we're going to – Two things. Uh, one of it is really, really thank you for all those who have been fundraising all these different years uh, and just blessing us uh, and just giving your time. I just wanted to give a little bit of feedback in terms of that. The tractor that you saw there, the rice mill that was bought there, um, it's actually, it was, the rice mill is a two-story building which has actually a proper mechanical contraption. We had the blessing to be able to see it work. Before, whenever they wanted to eat rice, they would have to peel the husk off the rice individually, and they would have to do that for two, three hours, sometimes to have rice that evening to, to have. Now they can put it into that machine, and 10 minutes later, all of it is done mechanically. Frees up people to be able to do other good works that they, that they need to do, study or elsewhere, or other it's things. Amazing. It's amazing. Um, so actually, that's such a blessing from yourselves to us uh, in, in terms of things. Second thing is, uh, I just wanted to... If you ever, later on, if you want to uh, chat to anyone, please do. I, I just find it amazing, the, the diversity in the team. Some who didn't even know who Jesus was until three years ago. Am I right? Eight, Eight years ago. But actually, um, she talks about visions, but she, didn't actually even, she actually didn't even want a vision. She even told <laughs> us all. She was like, what is this? <laughs> um, yeah, those are the two things. Um, and of course... The invitation is always there if you want to come and join us uh, on the missions team. Um, I pray that God will move in your hearts, not, and even more so to recognize the opportunities as we've heard about moving in power uh, through prayer and through proclamation, even here, because it's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I really want to push that out. Um, we hear these stories on one hand to encourage us to continue to support, but also go out there. But it's really for us to say, God... The place that we live here, people struggle with joy, with purpose, with meaning, and that deeper healing that needs to happen, God wants us to be part of that mission. And so, you know, in tonight's prayer and praise, I I think we're really crying out for that. Um, You know, saying, God, you know, you want to raise us up to serve you. We're not here just to make some money and then die, right? God didn't save us for that, but he he loves us so much. Okay, one more for you. Sorry. This is something I want to share. So, uh, you know, two years ago, I'll make it quick. Um, I was sitting where you guys are sitting. Um, I was still at uni. I just kind of like, oh, okay, this sounds, this miracle sound good. Um, good, like, but a part of me was like a bit skeptical because like, uh, like I left church and I was like, mm, did it really happen? Like maybe it's just only for the missionaries. Like maybe it's just, just them. Um, it's, it can't possibly be me, you know. I always I had that feeling that um, there, there's this like kind of oh missionaries are here and I I can't possibly see these miracles, be that healer, be the person that God is working through. Um, but actually, during the times when I I did hear BLI share here, the seed was already sown in me. I just wasn't ready yet. And the fact that we've gone, and this is our, some of us, like our first mission trip, I cannot stress enough how, it's, how impactful and how you will not regret it. That um, even no, regardless of what age, what, what your job is, 
just to give it a go, um, just once. I will like a part of me is this one is like oh I I should give you guys like a money back guarantee like if if you if you have not seen God work then da 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 da, da. Um, but I actually don't have anything to offer you so um, but no like God is so good um, He will show you things that you couldn't possibly imagine um, and even if like I felt so insignificant um, like before as well like and, and there are times where I don't feel like I'm worthy or I have the right skill set to go on a medical uh, dental missions trip. I'm a designer, like how am I going to be used? Um, and there's always that doubt, but actually, you know, it's not for um, me to judge myself on uh, how able I am or how, how good I think I am, but actually uh, God sees us in a completely different way. Um, as long as you're willing, as long as you're willing to be used, God will deliver on his promise. He will use you. Um, you, just have to, you just have to take that step of faith and actually make yourself available uh, to be used. Uh, regardless of, like, it, there are so many situations in the missions trip where I had no idea what I was doing. Never worked with kids. Um, just completely clueless honestly and yeah it's really amazing god just worked yeah god he just worked just through through us um and that's the thing like you don't have to feel like you're good enough to go just go and god will show you um how he will use you yeah yeah definitely the availability is a big part of it um shall i pray and then um i know we're running a little bit late um quite late we'll probably just respond in one song um but tonight there's be a longer time of really just praise and worship and uh if these are around, you'll also have a chance to be able to talk to them some more, or if you want to even just bring them out to lunch. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll just close with one song. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much um, because you are Savior and you are King, and you do amazing things, Lord. And we are so sorry because we totally under, we undervalue you, we underestimate you, Lord. We ignore just how great and how good you are. Lord Jesus, we pray for the Philippines, Lord. We pray that your hand, which is there, continues to do amazing things there, that you continue to transform those areas, Lord, continue to break through into people's lives. And equally, Lord, we pray and cry out for this country here, Lord. We pray that you shake us up from our slumber, Lord, that you open our eyes to see, God, that you are the God of the living, not the dead. And you have come to be our God so that we are alive and no longer dead as well. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we come and worship you now and want to respond to you, Lord.